0: You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is a Locked On NFL podcast. You can find me at WilliamsonNFL. You can find me at ClaytonFootball.com. And we talk five days a week. And every Thursday, we chat with my buddy from ESPN, Mike Sando. Tomorrow, I will pick games at my bookie, you know, straight up and against the spread. Mike, how's it going, man?
0: It's going great. Really enjoying this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. And I have a lot of topics in front of me. You you texted me some ideas. Let's start with tonight's game, as I like to do on Thursdays. It's not a barn burner, but the Texans are in first place. You know, they're, they're winning games. They're putting a streak here together. I've been asking everyone all week how to power rank the AFC South, and I think the Texans are at the top of the list, barely. But nobody, I mean, the the Dolphins are allowing a lot of production on the ground. The Texans' bad offensive line is starting to not be so terrible. They're leaning on Lamar Miller a little bit. Um, Hopkins and Fuller are going to be problems. But I really think this game is controlled by the front seven of the Texans tonight.
0: Yeah, it is. I think these are two sort of fool's gold teams a little bit that (laughs) have, you know, have more wins than we we think. I don't think their records or their winning reflects the quality of the teams right now. Uh, That's kind of what I'm saying. And so um, maybe I'm interested in watching the game. But yeah, maybe the two least impressive winning streaks of the whole season belong to these two teams. Yeah, where you just sort of know what's coming. And now, I mean, for me, Miami going to play, you mentioned that defensive front, on a short week after losing multiple receivers. Right. And now you're going to be relying on Devontae Parker, who may be traded in the next few days. I mean, I I don't think that's a great situation. And, oh, by the way, Brock Osweiler's coming back to Houston, so... Um he has surprised me a little bit. I mean, he hasn't had the absolute four-pick meltdown, you know, type of game. He's not bordering yet. Um but you just sort of feel like the longer it goes, the you know, the better chance of that happening.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I, the the Cronell and O'Brien familiarity with Osweiler does not bode well. I have I I have uh Houston win this game like thir- 27-17. Maybe even more.
0: I think Miami could really lay an egg. Do you know that Brock Osweiler has better quarterback numbers since leaving the Broncos than the Broncos have? Wow. Let's talk Broncos he- quarterbacks. Then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's segue into that. It's funny
1: because I was talking to Mike Renner yesterday and I asked him, if you were the GM and in charge of changing the fortunes at the quarterback position, What team is the worst off? The Jags, the Giants, or the Broncos right now? Jags, Giants, or Broncos. I mean, when you consider Um, age, prospects, money invested.
0: Well... I would say it depends. If we're talking about playing a game this week, it's different than where I'd want to be for going into the season. So right, right. I think you know the the Giants not being committed to anybody beyond this year, they can get out of Eli Manning, and it's about they have about six point two million dollars of dead money that they have to account for, and that could be you could spread that over a couple of caps, I think, or you could take it all next year. That's not a prohibitive amount, right? So right.
1: you just wrote an article about
0: this, right? About getting out. Of yeah, yeah. Backs. Okay. Yeah. And so Bortles, I mean, there'd be about 16 and a half million, you know, it's a little bit more of a problematic situation. Um, and then, you know, not quite as big for Keenum, but they're kind of, they're kind of in it for a couple of years. It would be, a, you know, next year they could move on, but there's a little bit of pain involved with that. So I think, you know, the Giants have a chance to maybe have the highest pick mm-hmm. of those teams and may end up <laughs> they may end up being able to draft their quarterback which everyone thought they should have done this last year most people seem to have um and be able to make make a cleaner break even though i know Eli Manning means a lot to the organization it'll be painful to move on it's time i mean for for his own sanity and for ours you know i think that they're ready for a change there so oh, yeah who's in the best position maybe who's in the worst position
1: yeah and none of them are good on
0: game day right now
1: and it's kind of amazing, Elway's streak of quarterback ineptitude. And even Peyton Manning, I mean, that worked out tremendously. But you signed Peyton Manning. I mean, I knew there was some risk with medically, but you knew who the player was. I mean, in a way, my sister could have signed
0: Peyton Manning. Well, and, you know, and the, the reason Elway was able to sign Peyton Manning is because he's Elway. I mean, so you got to give right. him credit <laughs> right. I, mean, I think there was a you know, there was a, uh, sort of a bond or a kinship, you know, there between two all time great quarterbacks and one of them and John Elway knew how to finish, you know, got to finish his career on his, you know, the way anybody would want to finish their career. So I get that, but really you could, you could look back and say, Hey, Peyton Manning's presence on the roster was why they hit home runs and free agency Of course players wanted to go play for the play with Peyton right and you get mm-hmm. to keep Demarcus Ware whoever all these guys want to go play with Peyton well Peyton leaves and now you're left with the reality that it's been very hard for Elway to find a quarterback he's not alone in that but you'd think you know does he have some sort of special insight as somebody who played the position and the answer is no I mean they've started a bunch of, you know, Case Keenum, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. Those are all people that at one point or another, John Elway said, we're going to start a quarterback. And, and you know, they would have signed Oshweiler had he taken their deal. So um, it doesn't look good. Yeah, that's And then Chad ca- Kelly, Kelly, by the way, is has to be kicked off the team for being, you know, arrested. Yeah, I and mean, that's new news. I mean, I, I, I can't kill them
1: for Simeon or Kelly because they have nothing invested in them. It wasn't like they... Gave him big money. I mean, they were late round picks that, okay, they're forced to the field or Kelly was, hey, let's take a gamble on the guy. But your point is very strong. I mean, they've gone to this well over and over, and we just mentioned them as possibly having the worst
0: quarterback situation overall in the whole league. Yes. So since Peyton Manning retired after the 15th season, they've had 24 starts of Trevor Simeon. They've had seven starts of Case Keenum, four of Paxton Lynch, and four of Brock Osweiler. Um, it says a lot that that's from the 2016 season on
1: so that's rough that's real rough let's move to Jacksonville here a little bit and they're playing the Eagles in Bortles' favorite you know, home stadium across the pond they're going to give him the start again they've got many problems though like it's funny I look at this Eagles and Jags team and I think you would think at this stage of where they stand these are must win games But I don't think that's true. I mean, I think losing a non-conference game doesn't preclude the Jags or Eagles from winning their bad divisions.
0: No, not at all. I mean, I think the divisions are waiting for them. And uh, yet, you know, to me, it feels like I feel like the Eagles are a little bit more of a solid team. You you know, you like their quarterback. They've won the Super Bowl. It's a little bit of a, yeah, there's pressure. as Philly. But I feel like if the Eagles were to play, the longer the Eagles play, I feel like the better chance they have of maybe figuring it out. And with the the Jaguars, it just feels like they're on this edge. And, you know, you know how it is when you get a salty defensive team and you've got those defensive personalities. If the quarterback's blowing the game, that's a real bad problem. I mean, it's a problem for any team. But it's really those guys are not going to just take that lightly. You know what I mean? They just could blow up. And they feel like they're on the edge. I mean, look, they had a team where – you know, they suspended Jalen Ramsey over the offseason for how he reacted to things, right? I mean, they've had a couple couple incidents like that, and now Bortles doesn't have the help. You know, they've had some injuries offensive line, Fournette, the receivers aren't good, Bortles being exposed, and there's a lot of season left. So my question really is, how aggressive should they be, Matt? I mean, I go back and forth. Like, I kind of, in the end, think they probably need to do something else at quarterback, Mm -hmm. But they've made their bed, too. I mean, I'm not talking after the season. I'm talking, like, do they need to do something now, before Tuesday, to change this up? Well,
1: I don't think it would hurt. I'm not saying invest a couple first-round picks in Carr or somebody like that. But what about Tyrod Taylor on the cheap or somebody along those lines? I mean, the thing about bringing a quarterback in now,
0: they're not going to be ready for a couple weeks. Right, but a couple, uh, so I was going back and forth with a couple personnel guys on this last night. One said, I think you got to move on, it's too volatile, and you can't win with this guy, and everybody knows it, so you got to do something. Yes, agreed. I, and, and I kind of think that, I think that's true. I mean, I don't disagree, yet I, I think from just a pure pr- practical standpoint, just zooming out, saying, I think you're right on that, hey, you're probably not going to, significantly upgrade the position by bringing in someone who doesn't know the system in the middle of the year mm-hmm. and trying to get him up to speed. I still think you probably have to do it um, because getting underwhelming quarterback play from someone else is better than getting it from Bortles right now for that team.
1: Yes. And I've killed the Jags for, first of all, giving Bortles starter money. You know, I mean, they, they could have been done with the guy. They extended him. I mean, that to me was bad decision number one. And in the past two or three off seasons, I've crushed this team too for doing nothing else. I mean, just like looking at it like the problem is solved. Like sign Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. Even I mean, I'm not saying trade up to number one or you know if you you know mortgage all your picks to go get a guy. Draft Mason Rudolph. I mean, sign Teddy Bridgewater. Do. Something. Go, add Tyrod Taylor in the offseason. I mean, somebody that in case Blake keeps playing the way he has for 90% of his career, you can at least go to someone else.
0: I know, and I am looking at this. My, Is this really true? So, <laughs> they've lost three games in a row by at least 13 points, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of elaborated on this in my, my E-plus column today on looking at the best games of the week. So, it's the first time that's happened to the Jaguars three games in a row by that big of margin since they had it happen four weeks in a row to start the 2014 season. Well, that's when they switched away from Henny to Bortles. Okay.
1: Just since so they
0: made, yeah. since, since they, they made a quarterback change last time they they were in these straights. Okay. Mm-hmm. They had just drafted Bortles. Can you believe that since then, since week three, week four of the 2014 season, Blake Bortles is the only quarterback to start a game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. That is a, that's an amazing amount of time. I mean, we're talking. <laughs> it is, right. We're talking 60. I think it's 68. 60. Would it be 68? Yes. So he's got 68 a, regular season. Their last 68 regular season games, they've woken up and said Blake Bortles is our guy. So Bortles has a 68 game. Starting streak, which is probably one of the biggest ones in the league right now. Yeah, and his passer rating is 80.7. I mean, it's now look, there's guys in the Hall of Fame with 80, pass, right. 80 passes back when you could knock guys over when they were 10 yards down the field running their routes and kill quarterbacks quarterback, in the pocket. And, and when yeah. the quarterback got rid of the ball, you got two steps and drilled him as hard <laughs> as you could and put his face into the frozen turf, right? The I mean, chin, that's yeah. The, that's how guys used to get 80 passer ratings. <laughs> right, right. Passing was dangerous. <laughs> now, 80 passer rating anywhere else gets you, you know, he's under 60% completions, 80 passer rating, 45 QBR. I mean, that's a lot of games to be doing that. And they, you know, to their credit, they built a great defense that let them put him in a little bit of a bubble, a little bit of a cocoon mm-hmm. last year. And it, wor- it worked for them. I think his numbers have ha- had improved. But... You know, you at the very least, you what you're saying is have a backup plan. It doesn't mean you couldn't have brought back mortals. Maybe for your team, you felt like you wanted to just you didn't want to go to 30 million a year for Kirk Cousins. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's right. I get it. But let's have somebody that right now you're excited to see, you know what I mean? As opposed to, oh, God, we don't want to make this move. Some kind of parachute. I mean, just something that would you could
1: go to another option. And that brings me to Cody Kessler. That's the other option right now. And there's many things wrong with the Jags, quarterback being the biggest problem. You mentioned it. The one thing he didn't mention, though, that's killing this team as opposed to last year is turnover differential. So Bortles' best days are much better than Cody Kessler's days. But his worst days are much worse. <laughs> Would you rather go with the C-minus starter that doesn't turn the ball over and try to win 13-9 every week in Kessler? Or do you no. have to? I, I think he's
0: not good enough to do that with. I, I agree, but I think it, I, I would consider. You just lost three in a row by by almost two touchdowns. So to me, you you have to make a change for the not just <laughs> excuse me the sanity of your locker room, but the credibility. I mean, we, we're you know right. if you're the coach, you're we're a performance based business. If you're not getting it done. We're going to try someone else. So that gets you some credibility and who knows maybe kessler comes in and get the team rallies maybe you win a game or two then inevitably probably kessler struggles now you've got bortles who's had a couple three weeks to think about it who understands there's an accountability here that it's not just 68 straight games of blake no matter what right right that we're willing to go in that direction and maybe you even do make a move for somebody maybe you do bring someone in you're sending a message you're protecting yourself at least somewhat you're doing something yeah, at least you you're taking it action. Worse, and then if you got to play, but you know, what if Bortles then plays well enough? You get you get four net back the last five games, you win four of them, you sneak into the playoffs in a bad AFC South, and now here you are again. Ooh, you know, let's see what we do. Maybe we pass for eighty yards and beat the Bills. Maybe we score forty points at Pittsburgh. Anything could happen, right? Yeah, and the defense could
1: keep you in games, and you know they're as talented as ever, and morale's up, and you're handing the ball to Carlos Hyde, and then Fournette comes back in December. And I mean, I guess you could paint that right? picture. This stuff's easy,
0: Matt. We just solved
1: the Jaguars. <laughs> right, <laughs> what's wrong with them? <laughs> Their opponent, the Eagles, are an aggressive front office coming off a Super Bowl win. Like, we, we both agree, much better shape than Jacksonville, especially a quarterback, but in other areas as well. Could they be a player? I think they're going to buy somebody.
0: Yeah, I think they. I think they will too. I mean, I think they clearly could use cornerback help, mm-hmm. and uh, you know why not? And so you start looking at you know who's out there. Are you really g- going to get a big name guy? I mean, Patrick Peterson's name's been thrown around, but I don't. I don't see them doing that. And I don't see them giving up a huge, a, you know huge bounty of picks or something like that. But if you can find somebody that can plug in. Um, that would make sense for them. And you saw New Orleans already did it with Eli Apple, so um you know, you gotta sort of look through those lists and see see if there's someone that fits your scheme, someone Jim Schwartz knows. Those types of things are always considerations to try to get the most out of whoever it is you might go after.
1: Yeah, and they were rumored to be into Amari Cooper. Maybe they're they take a Demarius Thomas or can get the the price down on LaShawn McCoy. Um, it seems like the corners that are available were Apple and Jenkins and the Giants aren't going to trade them within,
0: within the division. Right. Yep. Yep. That could be a complicating factor um, for sure. And you, you, know, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned receivers. I, in looking at them, their pass game is much less explosive than it was last year. And yeah. I think I'm not, you know, they've had injuries at the position or whatever, maybe they need to get just get in sync, but that's a, that's a big difference for them. I think they're tied with Oakland and a couple other teams for fewest number of touchdown passes that are longer than 15 yards. You know They're down from maybe seven at this point last year to two. So it's not just the defense. Uh, offensively, I think, though, at least you feel like with Carson Wentz, you got a chance. <laughs> yeah, and their protection's
1: not as good as it was a year ago. But um, I want to tell you guys about Swap.com real quick. Swap.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store in the world i mean it's insane how much we pay for new brand name clothes especially for our kids that are growing like weeds i mean so why do we buy new kids clothes if they just outgrow them in a few months so would it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes well there is swap.com it's the world's largest online consignment and thrift store so stop driving to store after store and sifting through racks Easily sift through millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com with easy-to-use filters to find exactly what you need. Uh, they have, you know, sometimes it's even 90% off retail prices on your favorite brands, you know, like Nike, J.Crew, Gap, Carters, all these big-name stuff. And then the other thing is we waste over 15 million tons of textiles every year. So shopping secondhand at Swap.com helps prevent textile waste from polluting the environment as well. So that's another thing to look at. Um, all their stuff is quality hand-inspected items, and they're added to daily. And if something doesn't fit, it's hassle-free returns within 30 days, which is easy. And here's what you do. I got a special offer for our listeners for Swap.com. You get 35% off select items for your first order with our promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, all one word. All caps. Plus, you find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage. Use our promo code Locked On. All right, Michael. Um, You, I mentioned, I alluded to an article you wrote about teams' easy uh, level of discomfort or easiness to break up with their quarterback. And I read it a few days ago, but. I remember Mariota and Winston being at the very top of the list. Was I right on that one?
0: Basically, what I was looking at was not that it, not that every team wants to move on from their quarterback, but right. just the idea that, hey, um, some might. And if you looked at the game on Sunday night, Kansas City was playing Cincinnati. And Kansas City was the team that dared to move on from a successful quarterback. And Alex Smith and really reaped the benefits of that. Whereas Cincy has just been happy with Marvin Lewis for fifteen years and happy with Andy Dalton for five years. And there's nothing wrong with either guy, right? They're both competent. They're both good, but and they both feel safe. But I think when you look at you look at teams that get ahead, you know, they risk falling you have to take a risk to fall behind. So when you mm-hmm. you look at how easy would it be to get out of our team's quarterback situation was the Article and we ranked them from the beginning, which was basically Winston and Mariota because their entire 2019 salary is not guaranteed unless they're seriously injured. You could move on from those guys, and uh, all you would do is save $21 million against the cap. Now, you wouldn't have a quarterback, so that's right. But you had to go find somebody. But there are some teams, even Derek Carr was I thought was interesting in the current sort of Raider climate. You know, there's not a big prohibitive cap hit on him for them to move on. So I would have never thought that could have happened. But we've seen Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper um, go. So you never know there.
1: Yeah, I want to talk Raiders with you. So let's talk Carr more than Winston and Mariota. I think they're, the jury's still out on those two. If Gruden doesn't like Carr, he can get, what's, what's it cost him to get out of that situation? And assuming he can trade like, him yeah. and get something and more picks in return.
0: Yeah. I think for next year, it's about seven and a half million dollars would be dead money, but that's say they would save on the cap. You know what I mean? That's less than what they're going to pay now. So um, it'd be very useful. And they don't have a ton of money. It's not like they have a ton of money tied up in a bunch of good players. They've let the good players go that we're going to cost them. Money. Yeah. I was they, gonna they, say Cap's not going to be a problem for them. Cat's not a problem. So, you know, go Derek Carr looked so promising a couple of years ago. But, you know, John Gruden, we know what he likes in a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He he wants a, he wants a tough guy, Jim Kelly, Rich Gannon, the guy who's going to walk into a bar. And, you know, he might get in a scrape <laughs> that night, you know, <laughs> because and, and, he's that competitive in your face type of guy and he's not backing down. That's what John wants now. And Derek Carr
1: cries. So we can't like him.
0: Yeah, apparently. <laughs> i joking. But... I don't know if that's true. But, R- um, but you know, who, at the end of the day, I mean, I think John probably wants, like, whatever else wants, a good quarterback. But I think him being the quarterback camp guy, him having definite things he wants and likes about the position, things he loves about the game, I think it is at least possible that type of guy, type of leader – factors into this more with John than it would for almost anyone else
1: yeah and to take it a step further and this is understandable if I'm coach Gruden and I signed a 10-year deal and they gave me all they did and I've made these drastic roster moves as much as any coach in the league I feel like I have the right to pick my quarterback whether Carr's good bad ugly whatever I want to choose the guy that I work intimately with for these next 10 years and win a million Super Bowls in Oakland with, or or Vegas.
0: Yep, and, you know, for all of the... I think in Carr's case, people have overestimated or overrated him because of arm talent. Because he can make throws that look like the throws that Aaron Rodgers makes. But I don't know that he's... You know now granted, they haven't had a great situation there. but for a while there, you know, they had a good offensive line. they had you know pretty good weapons. they've had a back here and there. Um, and they've basically had one good season. and then his numbers, he has he has like good touchdown interception ratio, which is important. but a lot of the underlying numbers, you know, as far as how far he's throwing the ball, you know, his his QBR is way lower than you would think. There's just certain things within the numbers that make you think, hmm, is he really as good as the arm talent? You know, the the you know, when he came to Gruden's quarterback camp, I was there. He broke John's GoPro camera in the net where he was throwing the balls. It was awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah. he he <laughs> he threw the best he threw the best balls in that workout of any of the people I saw in four or five years ago into all the Gruden camps. So, you know, he's got that talent, but is that what He's going to make him a good quarterback.
1: Right. And you know, is
0: is that reflective of how good he is? And my impression of
1: why he was not an early pick, he was a second round pick, if you recall, is at Fresno, he didn't like pressure. You know, it was get it out quick. When in doubt, I'm going to dump it off. Get it out of my hands. I don't want to take the hit. I'm not going to stand in the pocket. And I don't think it's an accident at all that pre-Gruden... The Raiders knew this and therefore invested more than anyone in the league in offensive linemen. And if we give Derek a nice pocket, he's going to use that arm, tacket, arm, arm talent. And I bet Gruden knew that too. He just drafted a overdrafted a tackle in the first round and took another one. I mean, so I think they know what his strengths and weaknesses are. And that being said, if I'm the Giants or Jags, though,
0: I would take Carr. I would, too. I would, too. I mean, I think he has the talent to be an upgrade, certainly over over uh, Bortles. But get this. Get this, Matt. So I'm just dialing up. Since Carr came into the league in 2014, he is one of 22 quarterbacks with 1,500 pass attempts, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We stack these guys by their QBR. It goes Brady, Matt Ryan, Breeze, Rogers, Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson. That's who we'd expect to be up there, right? Sure. Here's the here's bo- here's the here's the bottom guys from the bottom up. Bortles, Carr, Cutler, Tannehill, Eli. Isn't that surprising that Cutler's down there? I mean that Carr's down there? Yeah, Isn't it's like surprising? one doesn't belong with the others. And why is that? Why I mean, look the stats. I mean, QBR is not perfect. I mean, it sure. could be totally it could be totally screwing up on Carr. But when you stack them that way, and we know the guys at the top are the guys who would be the guys, right? I mean, we're not going to argue Brady, Ryan, Brees, Rogers, or Wilson, right? Th- those guys are at the top for a reason. We know that. We know the eye test. we don't need stats. Um, why would Carr be down there with those other guys um, if he's as great as the arm talent makes us think he is? There's and, a gap there, right? Yeah, there's a, a disconnect gap. there, right. There's and, some kind of a disconnect. So, you know, what is he?
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really valid point. The only thing I could think of off the top of my head if I was Card's lawyer right now on, and we're having this conversation is, boy, there's been a lot of dropped passes by his receivers over the last couple of years. And I don't know if QBR accounts for that or not. I, I just am not familiar with that. Yeah, it does. It does. does it?
0: But that type of thing doesn't move the, you know. doesn't mean he should be 10th in the league. What will happen when you start looking at quarterback drop rates and that type of stuff is you'll see, you know, one guy's at two and a half percent and the other guy's at four percent, you know. And yes, I think QBR actually does take that into account. But that's not enough just in my research over the years to change it in a meaningful way.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then I have another quick Raider conversation. Then we'll wrap this up. All right. Speaking of Raiders you mentioned to me via text, let's talk tanking. And this yeah. goes back to the Sashi Brown Brown situation where my impression of the word tanking in the NFL isn't we're trying to lose games. You know, like the example I always use, Mike, I know you're not brilliant into hockey, but when I, my favorite all time hockey player ever is Mario Lemieux. I mean, to me, he's way above every athlete in the world. And, the season, everyone knew that Mario was coming out in the mid-80s, that he was clearly the first pick in the draft. I mean, like, no one we've seen in the NFL. He's like, the, he's like LeBron. He's the easiest pick in the world. So, the last month of the season, my Penguins brought up a really bad goalie from the minors <laughs> <laughs> and lost a whole lot of games and therefore earned the right to draft '66. And so there's (laughs) that to me is tanking, you know, that's not trying to win football games, what the Browns have done the last couple of years or what the Raiders will do the rest of this year. They're not going to put the worst players on the field to try to get losses. It's a productive struggle. It's, we know we're going to be bad. The plan is to accumulate picks and cap money and rebuild that way. And by getting early picks and not winning games therefore helps us.
0: Right. I don't think John Gruden's spending any less time in the film room. You know, he may be spending more. I mean, Derek Carr is not spending any less time. He's not, you know, suddenly staying out late at night and sleeping in. And, you know, he's taking his craft as seriously as he ever has. The guys in that locker room are no one who is trying to tank when they line up and play. On Sunday, that's not what it means. Um, and even like last year, I think was a great example of, of that was Buffalo. Right. You know, Buffalo from a big picture, 30,000 feet perspective was tanking. I mean, they were trading away Sammy Watkins. They traded away their left tackle. They were trying to make some they, they were throwing, you know, they, they were throwing. Stuff overboard, right? And it didn't work. No doubt, their plan didn't work, right? Yeah, they coached well, and their players played their butts off, and they had that amazing moment in the locker room with Kyle Williams. I mean, it was awesome. It didn't stop them from getting there, but we can see a little bit more this year. Then, then after that, they said, "Oh, that doesn't, you know, we're going to trade Tyrod Taylor." Then, so (laughs) let's take another another level. Let's take another level. So, yeah, and now we're now we're sort of seeing this year what they could have been last year, and I think we're going to see over the second half of this year. Probably that type of play from the Raiders. I don't necessarily see uh, an amazing, you know, rally. That would be unlikely, especially you know, with Kansas City in that division, the Chargers in the division. They're going to have a tough haul. So, um, tanking is an organizational thing that's done at a high level. It's not done in the locker room, in between the lines, with how you play, how you dedicate resources during the game. You're still trying to win. You're just doing it without as good of players on the roster.
1: With a bigger picture
0: in mind. The- with the bigger picture in the mind, to to, to you know, go to, for the Raiders, it's move to Las Vegas, have a bazillion early picks, and go from there.
1: Right, draft Miles Garrett and the and hope they all
0: hit. You know, I mean, yep, yeah, yep. And who knows? Maybe they use this season and even next season to see if Carr's that guy, right? I mean, they could, yeah, John could stick with them another year, and then then look at the draft and say, ooh yeah, Carr's okay, but I really like this guy. That's built around him.
1: I I think the whole idea is very interesting, and I kind of commended the Browns for trying it because so many years of ineptitude didn't work. Let's try a new approach. But I think there's a couple flaws as well, is culture is so important, and when you get used to losing games, that's hard to reverse. And
0: it's also hard to attract free agents without overspending. Yeah, the free agent thing I go back and forth on because I think that anyone in free agency overspends. There's no one saying, hey, you know what, I'll come for way under market to go to your team because you're good. Now, when you're good and have that culture, you do, you know, maybe when the price is the same, you get a key to leave in market Square. You know, you're not going to get those. The Raiders aren't going to attract that. The Browns aren't going to attract that. So there's definitely Mm -hmm. something to that. But I think for the most part, money pays in free agency. And let's face it, when you're doing these types of moves, you're looking for the draft more than free agency. Um, right. Although I, I thought the weirdest thing to me, the weirdest thing on the Raiders was just that they got rid of all the draft picks that they had, all the, the young players and signed a bunch of old guys. That was weird. Yeah, that to me was the mismanagement part was,
1: okay, I'm new to this team. I think we're close. I'm going to bring in old guys to get me over the top and trade picks for Martavis Bryant and people like that. And then he gets his hands on all these dudes and realizes we're not as good as I thought.
0: Yeah, it was almost, though, like by signing all of those older guys, he was basically saying, hey, Reggie McKenzie, the guys you brought in weren't any good, so I'm going to go get my own. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess it's- but, yeah. but But he almost just sort of tra- turned over the roster, hit the reset button, and now you're going to move on from all of those old guys. Their contracts are going to come off the books because they didn't do a bunch of seven-year deals where you're going to mm. have proration hitting and everything. They're going to... They've got Jordy Nelson-type deals. They already moved on from Derek Johnson. So I think there was probably an initial feeling early on to bring in some of those veterans to help set help with the culture, right? I mean, you want a Jordy Nelson or a Derek Johnson in your positional meeting room because they're professionals. They're, they know how it's done, and they're going to help get the head coach's message across. The challenge now is, hey— we can't, you can't lie to the players. I mean, you got rid of, you can't fool anybody. You've gotten rid of Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack. You're not trying to win, right? And now, <laughs> right you know, now, maybe you need those veteran guys in those meeting rooms more than ever. Maybe there is some, you know, smart strategy to it. Um, certainly the Cooper trade was, you know, seemed to be pretty good value for where he was at in his contract, where he had produced. Um, so they can still come out of this okay. Um, it's just. It hasn't always been easy to see the strategy every step of the way.
1: And you have to hit on picks, and that's a crapshoot for even the best drafters.
0: Yep. yep. Yes, it is.
1: Mike, this was awesome, as every Thursday is. I enjoy the show quite a bit every week. Let's do it again next week.
0: Sounds like a plan. Thank you.
1: All right, man. Take care. Thanks.